0: I always think the beginnings are really rather difficult. Fortunately, I have this at my disposal. This is the first in... Um, a new series of Thoroughly Good Podcasts. In fact, it is the first in the third series of Thoroughly Good Podcasts. There really have been two series before now. In fact, if you're being a real nerd, uh, then technically there's probably been probably been four series before now, but two of those I wouldn't recommend listening. Uh, they were like the dark years of this podcast and they didn't last very long. But this collection of podcasts is dedicated to something that I care deeply about, something that has always been there, been a part of my life, something that I cherish, uh, something which has always delivered, um, and that's classical Music <laughs> This first podcast really is, um, if you like, the first day in the school year. It's the day when the teacher gives out the textbooks and the new exercise books and you go home and wrap everything in fablon in an attempt to keep everything fresh and gorgeous. This is about telling you what this series is about. Uh, what you can expect, what you won't get, what you will get, who you'll hear from, why I'm making it. Uh, and kind of really the best place to begin is 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 the overarching idea yes there is an overarching idea behind all of this it's not some kind of random unscripted rambling by me there is a point to all of this there is a purpose thank goodness for that Like I say, classical music is something that I really I really rely on. I really care about. I really, I really love. Not not in that I'm completely obsessed with the industry or completely obsessed by it. I don't do an enormous amount of reading around the subject. I don't I don't listen to it every single day, um at every given moment. Really what I'm saying is, is that it is something which always make has an impact on me. And and I thought before I started making these podcasts that it would be really interesting to sort of interrogate that, to try and explore why it is that it has an impact, and and then to go further and to, to try and work out how, how one can find the holy grail for classical music, which is what every marketer is trying to do within the classical music industry, which is trying to um, get more people into the concert hall to get more people excited about the genre to 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 give classical music a bit of an oomph now those people who love it and who listen to it a lot and who play and, and who exist in that world might say that it doesn't need that kind of oomph that kind of injection of new audiences a lot of other people say that it does um, those of us who um, don't work professionally in in the industry, um, i.e., I'm just a punter, just a member of the audience, will say, "Well, actually, one of the reasons that I love it in the way that I do is because it's because not many other people love it." But that probably says more about me and my preference for introversion than it does um, uh, anything about the healthiness of the classical music industry. So, so that aside, what I wanted to explore was actually. Given that I know of a few people who are uh, who have bought tickets for the proms, for the BBC proms in London, for the first time this year, and they're going to, uh, in some cases, they're going to a classical music concert for the first time in their life, um, that made me think, well, there's probably quite a lot of people my age who perhaps I went to school with who haven't yet considered classical music and haven't gone to a concert how would I go about persuading them what would I do to introduce them what is the thing what is the way how do we go about trying to introduce this thing that a lot of people think is elitist or inaccessible or boring how do we go about introducing them And I think it's about sharing. I think it's about sharing. I think it's about emoting, enthusing. I think it's about not dumbing down, but also not being too pompous. Uh, And I think that the best way, or possibly one of the best ways of doing that, is to make a podcast series. (music) I do have evidence I do have anecdotal evidence I mean it's not it's not rigorous it's not been a rigorous survey that I've conducted but it is it is anecdotal evidence of actually how the power of sharing and passionate sharing can have an impact on an unsuspecting individual that's kind of what I'm saying here uh, and and the evidence that I have is uh, a good friend of mine who I don't see very often it has to be said but a good friend of mine who I went to university with who um, I was in the second year he was in the f- he he when I was in the second year, he joined in the first year. And when when he joined, he was sort of friends with a old group of people who, at the time, I sort of thought, there's no way I'm going to be friends with them. They're far too cool, aren't they? Um, look at them. They play jazz, and I just play the clarinet. I'm just playing Mozart's clarinet concerto, which I might add I despise. Newsflash. That's, oh, I really, I really hate Mozart's Cloud concerto. Another time. Let's, let's deal with that another time. That's a podcast all in itself. Um, anyway, they were, they were really cool, uh, in a way that I just didn't imagine that I could be. And for those people who know me, I'm obviously not cool. Uh, but we went a year, um, where we didn't really, we didn't really interact. We didn't, um, we didn't interact at all and then for some reason and i can't remember why uh he and i became friends and um the next thing i knew was that um i think i'd stood up and given a presentation or something or given a given a sort of a small introduction for for an activity that i was involved in within the music department of the university and maybe i had been sort of quite dry and sarcastic um and which is most unlike me, obviously uh, and maybe that was maybe that was how we ended up sort of getting on. Uh, but what I remember distinctly was uh, spending a lot of time with this friend, this newfound friend, who I didn't expect to be friends with, and him introducing me to his considerable CD collection. And by considerable, I mean, I don't know that I had ever seen... He was younger than me, and he had a massive CD collection. Uh, and it was... We were both studying music, but he had a... Really broad range of interests, uh, and and he subjected me to a lot of that. And I remember remember sitting on the end of his bed, listening to all of these CDs that he was putting on, and thinking, "I'm not. This is not really my. I wouldn't normally choose to listen to this." There was a lot of Prince, uh, which I hadn't been. I hadn't really listened to Prince at all. Um, my my diet of music had been pretty much up until that point show tunes the charts although I fell out of love with the charts in sort of the early 90s when it all went dance music like um and Glenn Miller uh and some classical music and even then my classical music diet was quite restricted to music which I had only played um so you know I it's not like I had uh it's not like I'd listened to a lot um and suddenly i was hearing loads and loads of different styles of music a lot of a lot of jazz a lot of acid jazz um some a lot of funk and a lot of it really rhythmic and exciting and it had quite a profound effect on me because i was i was hearing a wall of sound i didn't have any choice i didn't have any choice in it at all i was just hearing this wall of sound and being slightly baffled about how to react to it and also slightly baffled about why I was being subjected to all of this music what and and how was it that we'd become friends I I didn't I was all very it was all very confusing um uh, there was a there was a moment in time as well when um he went against David's girlfriend I think in, in in the Lake District during the Easter holidays and he needed somebody to look after his his house, because none of his housemates were going to be there, and so I said, "Oh, it's all right. I'll, I, I need to come. This is in the th- when I was in the third year. Then I'll. I'll. I'll come back. I'll stay in your house. Um, and uh, I'll do my revision there. <laughs> God, what a ridiculous idea. Anyway, whilst I was there, not only did I discover just how mouldy the house was and potentially not a very nice place to stay, but I went through all of his CDs and and recorded stuff onto tape that I wanted copies of and you know, it's like being in a library <laughs> with a tape recorder um a tape recorder uh and so i captured loads of stuff now when i when i put on things like corduroy uh which was just a revelation for me um i'm transported and I feel enriched by this other world of music that I would never have chosen to listen to except for the fact that someone who unexpectedly became my friend introduced me to, and it was a really intense introduction too. to. Be you. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who's had that kind of introduction. There's this chap here. He had a similar experience with operatic
1: music. Oh, I'm Ian Rosenblatt, Mm -hmm. and I'm a solicitor. I'm the senior partner of a law firm in the city, and I'm also the founder of Rosenblatt Recitals. And my parents and my grandparents were very enthusiastic uh, music lovers, and there was the Liverpool Phil which is still going, obviously. And in those days, Charles Groves was a conductor at the Liverpool Phil, and my grandparents used to take me and my brother and sister uh, every other Saturday night to the concerts at the, at the Phil. So that's really where it kind of started. And we had fish and chips on the way home. And it was, probably the, it was probably the fish and chips on the way home that was the big incentive to go with them when we were you know, really quite young. You're being serious about that. now? 100% you? serious. So, so there was a Smithdown thing. Road <laughs> fish and chip shop opposite the bus station. Okay. Are they still there? I don't know. I haven't okay. been there for a while. I haven't been out um, there for a while.
0: But so, so you do think that there was maybe a thing about there being an incentive? For you
1: to I like think control. that probably helped. But you know, it's you know, I was brought up with it. So there was music playing all the time, and uh, and my father was is mad about uh, singers. So it's not opera, just opera, but it was the human voice. And so he um, he's one of 12, he's the youngest of 12, Jewish family, eight of them were brothers. And there's this sort of cantorial tradition of, um, uh, of singing. So that was kind of all going on at the same time. And my father used to um, put on a record and play a voice and then you had to guess who the voice was. He played like two bars and then you had to guess who it was. So, you know, it's not every kid's idea of a good time, but I did quite, you know, I kind of like that. And then he used to go to work very early in the morning and during the week at um, five o'clock in the morning or thereabouts, he would play the same recording of uh, La Traviata, you know, every day. So, at five o'clock in the morning. about five o'clock in wow. the morning. How did that go down? Well, I that... think my brother and my sister stuck their heads under the, their pillows uh, and, you know, slammed the door or whatever. But I thought he was great and I loved it.
0: That's in Rosenblatt. He is uh, the uh, founder and runner of the Rosenblatt Recital Series, uh, which are largely at the Wigmore Hall um, and are the most recent example. Of, of something which I have inadvertently been introduced to you'll hear all about that in the second podcast do you see what I'm doing here I'm sort of throwing forward to what's happening in the next one and in actual fact you'll be able to hear the second one right after this one because two podcasts have been released in one go this has all been planned out really very carefully this is not it's not been done by accident no way So what I want to do is I want to, I kind of want to to share what it is that I that I love about the genre, in a bid to try and get you hooked into. Um, I don't want to uh, be too worthy. I don't want to dumb it down either. Um, but I am of the mind that actually it is. It's about hearing hearing stories around particular pieces of music. It's about hearing uh, unusual things about works or composers or performers uh, and also hearing about what the performing world is like in a bit to try and demystify if you, if you do those kind of things then actually you can bring that seemingly distant potentially irrelevant world closer in and if you bring it closer in there may be a chance that you would be prepared to to take the next step and listen to it or participate in it or live it and and if you take that next step then there's every chance that you will grow to love it in the same way that i do and that to me would just be that that would be the result that would be the goal i feel the need to explain what it's not going to be there will be other people you will be you will hear from other people they will largely be people that i basically want to speak to uh, and now i have an opportunity to speak to them and ask some questions about about uh, classical music today it's not going to be searing journalism sorry to let you down it's probably not i mean maybe it is maybe it is in comparison to other classical music journalists but but i'm not i'm not striving here to um to deliver something groundbreaking or earth-shattering I'm not going to share any revelations with you. Um, it's just it's just a bit of chat, really, about something I love. That's the thing. So the mechanics. The mechanics of this are basically... I'm setting out to... The, the first two podcasts are going to be published in one go, so you can get this sort of weird introduction thing, this beginning of the school year thing, and get all your notebooks, and you can get your textbooks, and your exercise books, and you sharpen your pencils, Uh Uh, Straight after that you can hear the second podcast which is uh, the interview with with Ian Rosenblatt which just happens to coincide with the launch of the new Rosenblatt recital season uh, which starts in autumn of 2016 and runs until I think June of 2017. It seems almost evil to be considering let alone speaking about 2017 but there we are. Each subsequent podcast will come out late on a Tuesday early on a Wednesday morning. Um, you'll be able to subscribe to them via iTunes if you search for Thoroughly Good Podcast on iTunes they're already there including some of the back catalogue of sort of weird stuff Uh, also make a point of following at Thoroughly Good Uh, you get all the updates there uh, and everything will be posted on ThoroughlyGood.me which just happens to be my blog and it's called that because I am